0: Hi everyone, this is Kate McGaw, founder and CEO of Arclight Agile. I'm a certified Scrum trainer, and I'm passionate about training leadership agility, and welcome to our podcast.
1: And I'm Ryan Smith, I'm a certified Scrum Master and a certified product owner. Okay, and today's topic is rollover work, oh, rollover work. So I have to tell a little story. And the story is, I joined this organization, and I was shadowing one of their scrum masters. And um, I, we were talking about their sprints and their work and how things were going. And uh, I said, you know, by the way, how uh, how successful are your sprints? And she she's a really good scrum master. I, I really like this person a lot. She goes fifty percent. And I was like, well, wait a minute, you're only you're only completing fifty percent of the work you commit to. And she's like, yeah fifty percent, and I was like, "And then what? What happens?" She goes, "Well, we just roll over the rest." And it was like, "Why? Why are you? Why is fifty? You're only getting fifty percent of the work you committed to done? Like, what is going on here?" And that was the thing that I really needed to sort of inspect. And so, I, I hear a lot of teams being a little cavalier about, "Well, just roll it over; it's no big deal." Yeah, and and I think that that is something we. That's why I wanted to talk about this topic today and be like, okay, this is not kosher. This is not cool. We need to drill in on
0: it. It's not ideal, as we would say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's not ideal situation. You sound like you sound like my mother. It's yes, not ideal. Not
0: ideal. Um, yeah, I mean, it. I, I tend to call it yo-yo work. Do we end up yo-yoing work from this sprint to the next sprint? I think a lot of times teams feel that that's the default. Well. A, if we we didn't get it finished, that's fine. We'll just roll it to the next sprint. Well, two issues there. If you said, one, why didn't we get it finished? And we can explore that. And secondly, it doesn't automatically roll to the next sprint. Maybe it is not as critical as some of the other items we have. And it's the product owner's decision. Does it go back to the backlog and wait for a future sprint? Or does it become a priority in the next sprint?
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly, because that's how I've always done it. Like, okay, product owner, for whatever reason, you know, I I know in this situation, like in the past, it we didn't get to it because maybe we had to bring in, you know, emergent work, or AWS was down for two days and we were all offline and we lost time in the sprint. Or I love to pick on him, but maybe my buddy Ankar got hit by a bus and we were down a team member for a couple of days. Oncar never got hit by a bomb. I was
0: going to say, Onkar needs
1: to win the lottery. Onkar well, needs to win the lottery. The yeah. But, you incredible. know, I just, I, I like to pick on him, but, you know, he yeah. did. But, but something, there is something that happened. Yeah. And we had like an issue, but like 50% or multiple yeah. tickets, that's a different animal. And I, I do see teams that just sort of are like, oh, eh, it's fine. I'll just roll over. And it, uh, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: But and why? I, I,
0: But why exactly? And I think that's the critical thing. Why did we not get the work finished? And if it's one or two sprints, was it because of ad hoc work or extra tasks or or whatever? Or in your case, where it's 50%, well, what do we need to do differently? And right. yet again, let's retrospect and see what we need to do differently. Because for most teams, it tends to be we're over committing. And uh, uh, some of the ways to check that if your team is, is sizing, we're making sure that we're bringing in no more work than the team feels they, they can realistically do within the sprint. So making sure they're not pressurized to do that. So if our team has a velocity and that's the amount of work they can do within a sprint, let's average the last three uh, sprint velocities and, and get an average of three, three to six and see if we realistically can, can pull in the work. And then a lot of teams don't task the work out. So if I I work with a team and they say, we never achieve what we commit to do, we're checking the amount of work they bring in. And then we're looking at tasking out those items we brought in. So we brought in four user stories to the sprint. Let's task out the user stories so that we have a good idea of how we're going to do the work. And let's, let's put hours on them. Let's make sure that no task is, is bigger than eight hours because then multiple people can jump in and, and grab um, different tasks. Um, and then let's have our scrum masters double check the team's capacity before we leave sprint planning. If we've committed to four stories and we've tasked out those four stories, let's double check the total hours in those tasks is not more than our capacity. And when I'm doing capacity for the team, I'm generally not doing it at eight hours a day because people are not productive eight hours a day. No, so nope, not at all. Yeah, so I tend to do it on six hours a day. So the yeah, before we leave sprint planning, Scrum Master, look at your number of developers. and um, Remember, we mean Scrum Master, I uh, beg your pardon, we mean um, developers as in coders, QA, UI, UX, anyone who's actually doing the work on the team. Make sure we remove any days that they're on vacation or training and things like that. And then let's do the remaining days at six hours a day. And do we have enough tasks um, to, to keep everyone busy. Um, some of the scrum masters I work with will say, well have I got 80 have I got 80% of work for 80% of their hours? Um, but the key thing we're looking for is let's not let's make sure the hours we've decomposed to and committed to is not over the hours available. So if our team has 400 hours of capacity over the next two weeks, Let's not commit to 500 hours of tasks because it's unrealistic. We're not going to get it done.
1: So, because I think this is where we're going to deviate a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm. There's a lot
1: to unpack there. Yep. Uh, I don't disagree with a lot of it, but I think you've gone, I think, so I always tell people, I don't like assigning work. Mm-hmm. I leave that to the team. Like, once, yeah. you, once you take the stuff into the sprint, if you guys want to sort of divvy up the work, that's on the team. That's for you guys to self-organize and to do. I don't like it happening before because it sort of silos out the work. Like, well, I've got my work yeah. and you've got your work. And you yeah. know, and then everybody has like sort of their own individual sprint. I don't like that. And then the hour thing, like I'm still very tied to story points as opposed to like hours. And I think this is where we also deviate. Yeah. You give them six hours. I started as a front-end developer. I'm like four, four hours a day. <laughs> I think, I always yeah. expect people to, because because, and this was particularly when we were back in the office, mm-hmm. you know, there's FUTs time and there's talking time and you're just sort of people doing stuff. And then even though you try and keep people out of meetings, there's always still kind of, you know, overhead. Yeah. And so I always assume like a developer in an office, you really get like four hours out of that person. So I'm a, uh, you're a bit more generous than I am. Well, and I-
0: And that's if there's no ad hoc work. So if I have a team that does ad hoc work, then I'm reducing that further. I'm saying, okay, so, I mean, I'm working with a team this week and they're sort of, okay, well, we think an hour and a half a day per person is taken on ad hoc work. Therefore, they're planning on four and a half hours of, of work a day that is coming through from the sprint planning. And I mean, I use stories to story points to make sure we're not pulling too much work into the sprint. And then I choose, I have them do hours and they decompose it in sprint planning, nothing is assigned. And then as the team members, they they grab and assign to themselves the first task as they leave sprint planning. And then every time they finish that task, they go back to the sprint backlog and grab the next high priority task. we could have multiple people working and hopefully have them swarming with multiple people working on the first most important user story so that we get it to done early in the sprint before we move on to the second user story and so on. Um, otherwise, we, we end up maybe meet, read, reaching the end of the sprint with every story at 80% complete and we get no points for it. So that tends to be where I use the, the points as The product owner's tool to make sure they can plan the upcoming release and points is the team's tool to make sure they don't pull too much work into the sprint. And then the hours, the tasks are the team's tool to make sure that they have an idea of the work that needs to be done to complete the backlog items. And then it's their tool for the scrum master to help them double check that they've not overcommitted themselves.
1: Yeah, I, I I think particularly in this sort of new world we've been in for now three years, it's not the new world, but everybody being remote. And I had this conversation with the developer today because she's in San Diego and the rest of the team's in like the Midwest and in India. And I said, listen, I don't really care when you get the work done. I'm not like nine to five is sort of gone. I just need to make sure that you're available for meetings. And if we need you, we can reach you. But if you get really productive from like eight at night till four in the morning, that's on you. You can do the work. As long as you sort of meet the sprint commitment, I'm sort of super happy. And we don't wanna be dumping everything on QA at the end. The other thing I always tell my teams is we should not be working up till the last minute of the sprint. Like Mm -hmm. you should really be, you know, so say we're Wednesday to Tuesday, like wrapping up Monday, like we should be able to use Tuesday as like, let's bring in some little tasks that don't really require QA, that don't maybe don't need deployment, like things we can we can tweak in the system, or we can even do our sprint planning ahead of the sprint. But now that I'm finding teams that aren't even completing their sprint commitment, that's like how do I correct that train? And it I, I feel like it's just always sort of different reasons. I found one team was doing their design at the same time they were doing their development. And it was just like, wait a minute. You mean your developers are waiting within the sprint for your designers like that? strikes me as just like, no, you can be, the, the, the development should be done as sort of product is working things up and team can bless those designs during refinement or, or sprint planning, but like waiting for a designer, like we all know design's easy. Let's just pick on design for a second. Design is easy. Everybody can throw in, oh, I like this. I don't like that. Let's make it pop. Like, let's make the fun. I was a front-end developer, you know, for years. So, like, I've heard all this stuff. Design can drag on because everybody can have an opinion on it. Nobody has an opinion on how you build an API. Like, they're going to, like, let the back-end guy. Like, nobody has an opinion on back-end development. But design is where things can really get hung up. So, to do it within the same sprint that you're delivering the feature is, like, well, that's a recipe for disaster. Of course, you're going to crash upon those rocks.
0: Can you? Is it because we're we're trying to design um, pieces that are too large? I mean, I, I I always get slightly nervous at all of design being done ahead. In a, I hear people talk about, oh, this is a design sprint, and I'm sort of mm, no, no, no. Um, But my question in, in this scenario is, is could you break the work down so that we can yes. design and code with and test within the same sprint, so the work is in smaller pieces?
1: Well, I think it's more. I think it's more. Here's where we want to get to. And here are the pieces that are going to build this ultimate picture. So like, ultimately, this is what we want. Say like we're building a document hub. This is what we want our document hub to look like. Okay, well, that's seven different little features. But now we know the what you're going to want it to look like in the future. So we know the fonts, we know the coloring, we know the basic layout. The team, the front end team should have power of attorney to interpret that feature by feature, but ultimately in the end, this is what it will look like. I also think that, again, I say it all the time, people let the perfect be the enemy of the good. And they just like, it has to be, and I am a pixel perfect person, trust me. I look at websites, they're like, that pixel is off. That's misaligned. I'm not saying leave it like that i'm just saying it does not as we're building towards that document hub you can't expect the full picture it will come into view when everything is done and i think that's the kind of stuff that i see getting in the way yeah. but you didn't do this and you didn't do that yes that's this feature and that's that other feature when they're done, you know, we could only do feature X and Y in this sprint. We're going to do a, B and C next sprint. And then the page will look the way it's supposed, but sometimes people can't live with that ambiguity. So I, I I feel like, that's kind of the problem there. Yeah,
0: I mean, I, I like the phrase "done is better than perfect." We can come back and do perfect next time, but we've got to get it. Got it, that's a scrapbooking phrase, believe it or not. Done, done is better is, than, per- better than done perfect. Done is better
1: than perfect.
0: So well, there can
1: always be a follow-on task. Absolutely. And I, I mean, think people think like, when well, we've released the feature, it's like you can always go back and tweak it. It's computer code. It's not like yeah. your house. It's not like. It's going to cost me $10,000 to redo that door. It's like, yeah, okay, put in a follow-on test to fix that thing next time. It's, yep. it's. I had that conversation with somebody today that they're going to, you know, GA tagging. Mm-hmm. You know, how do we get the GA tags? Well, you've got to build your code first. We can deploy that feature and then tag it later. Like that can be a follow-up. Like Once you've built it and you know what you want to tag... Great. When the GA tag team gets us those tags, we'll implement them. But they don't have to go together. Yeah. And I think that that's the problem with this front end and the the, the stories and they not the front end, the design and they're like oh yeah. it all has to go together. It's like mm, no, it doesn't.
0: Yeah. And I think- design
1: is Kanban, you know, yeah. and development is Scrum.
0: Yeah, and I, I think we, it's the reminder that our goal in Scrum is to get the basic stable working model out the door. Release two and release three, we can come back and add the the, the bells and whistles. So, But I think one of the hardest things that we have to sell in organizations is it's no longer a one and done. Because people are used to, well, I have to get everything in. I have to scream and shout, get everything in now in the first release, because there's never going to be another release. And it's the mindset change to, no, this is release one. We've got to get it done, stable, released to our customers. Then we're going to come back and we're going to do release two and release three and so on. So it's not like everything has to be done. At the, the in the first release, because we, we funded our teams hopefully for the quarter for the year and things like that. So the team is always delivering the highest value items.
1: Right. But and back to why things are failing or why sprints are failing. Yeah. There's no other better there's no other way to talk about it. Again, once you lose that credibility with the business, yes. Yes. that team only delivers 50%. So you've got to get everything from them because. You know, put in as much as you can because they won't deliver and, you know, it'll just drag on and we have to hammer down these people as opposed to, I I think sometimes the teams, until you have a strong scrum master and a product owner that really gets why the team needs to be able to say to people, this is too much, the story is too big, the story doesn't make sense, this is actually five different things, you know. Until a team is empowered to give real input, decompose stories and all that, you will not get that product. So if yeah. you have a, a, a team that sort of lives in or just reads a story and goes, okay, well, I guess that's what you want. I guess that's what I have to build. It's like, well, you're going to not be successful. Yeah. I was in a I was in a call with a new team and I said, well, wait a minute you know, like, but we could just do this one thing, this one little thing and get 80% of what you want. And the product owner goes, oh yeah. And the team goes, well, that's a two second change. This whole thing, this is like a giant new, like this is an epic, but that one little change that will get you 80% of what you want. Like we could do that in five minutes. Yeah. And until a team feels empowered to tell the product that thing and share their technical expertise, I think you will find them over committing and not delivering and then people hammering down on them.
0: Yeah.
1: And you see it time and time and time again, people are not empowered to give their professional opinion about the work that is being requested. Yeah. Much less the value.
0: Yeah. And I, I think it, it's two things. So it, you've already mentioned that we we lose credibility as a team business we lose trust the business doesn't trust that we can deliver what we say we're going to as a team but we also have a a sense we don't get that sense of achievement as a team that yes we delivered everything that we committed to do Um, because the team is never completing the work or they're completing the work 50 percent of the time rather than always being able to commit plan, deliver, and and repeat that process each time.
1: And I think what we're talking about is sprint as commitment. We are going to get this work done yes. as opposed to like, well, it's aspirational. Maybe we'll yeah. get some of it done. Maybe we won't. Yeah. We don't really know. And it's just like, why yeah. don't we know? Why are we not? Why is the team not empowered? Why is the team not informed? You know, they're the ones doing the work and you're right, and they will not achieve success. But then it just becomes institutionalized, yeah. and people are like, Well, we don't expect much of them. And so yeah. It's like, well, you should expect these are skilled artisans, these aren't like order, they should not be order takers. These are skilled, like you can't do what they do. I can't do what they do anymore. Like yeah. these are the people that you should be listening to, and they definitely have opinions, but if they're not empowered to make those decisions. Yeah. Just sort of, I don't know. It's it's in psychology they used to call it learned helplessness.
0: Yeah. You know? And, I, and I, I think it's it's a couple of things. So one of one of the key things that I I like teams to do at the end of, of sprint planning is let's do a fist of five. How confident are we that we can deliver everything we committed to do? And right. if, if everyone's holding up five fingers or four fingers, I'm probably okay. The team feels fairly confident. If I'm getting threes or less, we're not leaving spread planning because the team does not feel that we have been realistic on the work we can commit to. And th- the other thing that I'll sometimes remind teams is let's, let's check in on the scrum values well, I mean, one of the scrum values is commitment. We are going to commit to deliver the work. And another of them is focus. We're going to focus on delivering the work we committed to do. So a lot of this is how can the scrum master coach the team um, right. so that they don't overcommit? Um, maybe the scrum master's needing to coach others in the organization so that they don't we don't end up with the team being pulled on ad hoc tasks at the expense of not completing the work within the sprint.
1: And I've had that happen where, to, you know, people were pulling developers onto sales calls because the developer had solved this problem with a third party application. So all of a sudden sales was putting them on, you know, we highlight them at some te- some you know, company wide meeting. It's like, oh, so-and-so solved this problem. Next thing I know... Or unbeknownst to me, they're getting invited to these sales calls, and work's not getting done. And it's like they're not a sales engineer. That's that's not what they're there for. They're like, but we want people to hear about it. It's like yeah, it's not. That's yeah. you are now. You're interfering with the business priorities. Yeah, you've put your priorities ahead of mine. So shadow work, I call that shadow work. You don't like if it's not on the board, we're not working on it. And if it's on the board, we should be. Really moving heaven and earth to deliver this. Yeah. And, but you got like the team committed to this work. That's yeah. the whole point of refinement and grooming and putting sizes on things. And, I, you know, I know in sprint planning, I'm always like, are you guys sure? Yeah. Like, are you guys sure? Because I'm not the one doing the work. They're not doing the work. You're doing the work. If this is too much, got to let us know. yeah. And that I've, that like over time when a team feels like the scrum master is there to sort of, you know, protect them from emergent work and from outside influence and that they can speak up and that their voice is heard, they'll take ownership over the code, they'll take ownership over the product, and then they'll really deliver on those things. But I think sometimes people forget to the sprint is a commitment. Yeah. And it's important to keep that commitment.
0: Yeah. And it's the Scrum Master's role to protect the team from external distractions so that they can focus on delivering the work. Because if we don't consistently plan and deliver on what we've committed to do, then we're losing that credibility. And it, it's hard enough to get the entire organization to buy into Scrum without having the credibility of being able to plan and deliver for the business partners.
1: It's the whole point of Scrum. So couldn't have ended it on a better note, but in a in a word, rollover work, bad, don't do it.
0: Please don't do it. <laughs>
1: please don't do it.
0: <laughs> and please understand why it's happening. So right. explore the why. I mean, if it happens occasionally, not an issue, but if it is consistent, please understand why. Thank you for joining us today. You will find us on Twitter at ArcLight Agile. You will also find us on LinkedIn at forward slash ArcLight Agile. So share your thoughts with us on this episode and send us any topics you'd like us to discuss in the future.